Welcome to this episode of Turtleneck Talk. This time we're using a better mic, so we're going to hope that it sounds a little better this time than it has. This episode I know a lot of you were interested in hearing, and uh, we'll be talking about Woodstock, but we'll also be talking about my uh, old friend, Charles Manson. Now, we'll start with Woodstock, because Woodstock happened today, August 15th, 50 years ago. It was 1969, and nobody ever wants to be reminded of that again, but we're going to have to talk about it, I guess. And there's a fun little fact about Woodstock, was that Sweetwater was supposed to be the very first band to play for that the very first day of the festival, but they ended up getting caught in traffic, so they never made it as the first band. Richie Havens went on with his little folk ensemble, and... uh you know, he banged out a hell of a show, the first, very first opening act of Woodstock. And I know very loosely, I don't know her well, mind you, but I know Nancy Nevins of Sweetwater. And she's really a lovely lady, and I was going to try to get her to talk, say something, or talk to me about today, but I really didn't want to bother her, because I'm sure she gets enough. She gets probably too many people wanting to talk to her about Woodstock as is. But you should definitely listen to Sweetwater, because they're a pretty good band. And, uh, you know, people want to talk about all the acts that day, and we know Richie Havens was the first act. And fun little thing was, when I was a teenager, well, my friend and I, we were really into Woodstock for a little while, and we would watch the footage over and over again. And any time it got to Richie's part, we used to crack up. We used to just laugh our asses off. Because he had such a thumb. So we started calling it the Thumb of Freedom. And we called it this because his thumb was so large that it would cover the entire fretboard. And we always thought that was pretty funny. That uh, his thumb was so big that it just took up. It just, you know, enveloped that guitar. And that was always pretty funny and interesting to us. So to this day, and it's been, God, I don't know, maybe 10 years. At least, at least 10 years since we watched any of the sort together. But even to this day, I'll still message her or I'll, I'll just randomly shout Thumb of Freedom at her. Because it was just so funny to us, so it's still a thing that to this day. I'll probably go and do it after I finish with this, because we just found it to be so funny. That was one of the weird things, was Richie Havens and his Thumb of Freedom. We thought it was the funniest thing ever. We were 16, what did we know? But uh, another funny thing about Woodstock was that there was just one death. And as we know, there was, what, uh, 300,000 people there for three days, some sort of thing, or maybe 500,000, I don't know. I don't quite know the exact count, and I'm sure you can look it up and find that out if you're really interested. But there was apparently just one death, or at least there was just one death that I know of. I don't know if there was any others. If there was, uh, you'll have to excuse me that I don't know about them, but the one I know about was a teenage boy who happened to be sleeping in a garbage bag. Why he was sleeping in a garbage bag, I don't quite know. Uh, but he was sleeping there, and the show had been over, and they were starting to clean up the land again, and they were mowing and cultivating it, and he essentially got mowed up. He just, he got ran over. He got ran over by a mower, I believe it was, and he ended up dying from his injuries. So, you know, that's pretty wild if you think about it, that a little community of that many people for three days can uh, go so very crimeless up until the very end, and then that happens. And as for births at Woodstock, I really don't have an idea. 
Some people say there was a baby born. Some people say there wasn't. I don't quite know the real story. I don't know if anybody does know the truth to it. I have another little funny story about Woodstock. I have a friend, uh, he lives on death row in the state of Florida. And I'm sure I'll do an episode about Florida and death row and how I hate both of those things and how I hate prison. I'm sure we'll go on about that at a later time. But uh, I have a friend there. He's actually been there for quite a long time. He's been on death row. And he loves to tell the story about how he almost made it to Woodstock. And I say he almost made it because he started hitchhiking there. And, you know, hitchhiking was quite a common thing to do in 1969. But he started going, and a couple of hippies picked him up in their van. I think it was a VW van. And those who know me know that I love VW, and we'll probably talk about those two later on, but not, not this episode. But anyway, he was picked up by a bunch of hippies in their van, and he likes to say, you know, they started giving me cigarettes, and they turned out to be marijuana cigarettes. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. They gave you pot. But along with the pot, they ended up feeding him pills. And uh, he had absolutely no idea what was in these pills. He had no idea what they were, but he took them anyway, because, you know, he's a nice guy. He's funny, but he's not the smartest, but he's still a good guy, and I'm glad to know. But, um, he ended up taking these drugs, and they ended up getting to Woodstock in Bethel, New York. And imagine the traffic then. We've all seen the photos, so you can understand how Sweetwater never made it to their show, well, at least for the opening of it. So, they made it a day late, and he has no idea what happened the entire week. He cannot remember after they started feeding him those pills. So I always like to joke with him and say that he probably has a uh, a bank account in Argentina and uh, maybe a, a grandson out there somewhere. And he always says, well, I don't mind the bank account, but I don't want the grandson, which I always find a little funny. But that's how uh, my friend never made it to Woodstock, but he did end up making it to prison. Oh, I don't know how many years after that. Seven, a couple years, I don't know. But, uh... I always find that pretty funny because he's so proud of how he never made it to Woodstock and I always thought it was kind of funny that he's so proud of that. Or not. I don't know. He's a kicker, you know. 1969, that was quite the year for a lot of different things and one of them being that Brady Bunch came out that September. Not many people know that, but I always know, oh, today's the day Brady Bunch came out because I'm just like that. But uh, not only did Brady Bunch air, but a lot of other stuff happened and a lot of people like to say, that maybe 1967 was the summer of love, or maybe 68. And then some people say, no, 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 69. Really, it was the decade of love. And some, a lot of people were in love, and then a lot of people weren't. But, uh, you know, a lot of things ended up happening that year, and one of them happened to be the Manson family murders. What everybody's been waiting to hear about. They, uh, Sharon Tate and LaBiancas, they called it the death of the 60s. Which, okay, it was 1969. The 60s were ending anyway. Get over it. But, um, I ended up knowing Charles Manson for maybe the last year of his life or so. I started speaking to him in early of 2016, if I remember correctly. And at first, he didn't want to talk to me. I wrote him a letter, and the letter was probably really boring. It was just your run-of-the-mill, who-cares-about-this sort of letter. There was nothing worth replying to in it, so I went, okay, well, let me try something else. And so I wrote him another letter. I put down all my bullshit. I got rid of all my baggage. I just spoke to him as who I am, not what I was, because that's how Charlie was. If you can put down all of the bullshit and all of your baggage and just stand before him naked, so to speak, then you could probably get along with him, because he was quite the down-to-earth guy. 
and he was funny. He was a funny guy. And he, one thing that people who were friends with him probably know is that um he wasn't wild about writing. He did not like to write letters. He much preferred to uh, call you on the phone. And when you get a call from a prison, you have to accept the call and you'll hear the person's name. But he never said his first name. He would always go, Manson. And he would say in such like a grumpy old man sort of way at all, you know, it was real funny to hear. But, you know, he knew that's what people wanted to hear. They knew him as Manson. They didn't know him as Charlie. But everybody who knew him, everybody who was friends with him, knew him as Uncle Charlie. We all knew him as our friend Charlie. And that's how I know him. I didn't know him as anything weird, you know. I knew him as Charlie. And uh, he was good at a lot of different things. He was a great builder. He'd make gifts for, like, the kids of the friends that he had. So that was always really nice of him. And then uh, he was quite exceptional at building guitars, too. And he was also great at playing them. Like, you should listen to his music. It's really good music. And people who say it's not are a little, uh, you know, they just hear Charles Manson and they don't want to actually listen to his music when it's actually quite good and it's quite catchy. It was good music. But he always found it funny that my last name was Wilson. And I never quite asked him if it was because the Beach Boys. I assume it was because of the Beach Boys, which is still pretty funny. But uh, he also wanted me to talk to a buddy he had in there whose last name was also Wilson. So we were the Wilsons, which was funny to him. And when uh, that one guy who I met through, Charlie, would talk to me, he would go, you know, oh, our Charlie. Which I always thought was kind of funny because he was our Charlie. Anybody who knew him, he was our Charlie. He was Uncle Charlie. He was a good guy. He was our friend, you know. And he wasn't as crazy as people made him seem. He knew what people wanted to hear, and that was all his hocus-pocus and weird stuff, and that's really not how he was. He was a pretty smart guy. Uh, he was funny, and his conversations with people were just as normal as anybody else's. People like to make him out to be crazy, like they see on Diane Sawyer, or they see on ABC News, or any, any other outlet, and that's just not how he was. He was actually a pretty decent, funny, smart, uh, he was a good guy. And I don't see why people always talk about him like he was some sort of monster, because he wasn't. He wasn't a monster at all. He was a normal, good person who uh, just happened to be exceptional at some very uh, less-than-great things. But otherwise, knowing him as a friend, he was, he was a good person to have as a friend. And sometimes I think, oh, I have to go write Charlie, or I have to, uh, you know, wait for a call or something. And then I realize, oh... He's not quite good to call, is he? No, because he's dead. But uh, he was a good person to know, and I'm very glad that I knew him from the time that I did. I would have liked to have known him for longer, is my only regret there. But he was good at a lot of things. I never quite got a nickname from him, sadly. But I know most people ended up getting a nickname, unless my nickname was just the Wilsons along with the other guy. That would have been pretty funny. Like some weird uh, sitcom. But Charlie was a good guy, and that's what mostly I'd like to say about him is that he was a normal guy, and if you put down your bullshit, he would talk to you, and he was quite funny. He was quite good at a lot of things, and he wasn't crazy like people make him out to be. He was uh, just as well-adjusted as anybody else out there. So that's just something I'd like to get across, that Charles Manson wasn't who people think. He was a good guy, and you know, he's missed. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll end it with that. We'll end it right here, and we'll just say... Uh, Next week, maybe we'll talk about, uh, either next week or the week after that, I'm not quite sure, I'll let everybody know. Maybe we'll talk about why I believe my father, who is now dead, could have been a bisexual serial killer. Well, that's all for this episode of Turtleneck Talk. 
I'll see you next time.